HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. If your restaurant wants to put the best on the table, look for food with the New York State Certified Seal. It's food that is grown right, right here. Learn more at certified.ny.gov. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Very excited to be celebrating this wonderful cookbook in front of me, Fat Rice, The Adventures of Fat Rice by Adrian Lowe and Abraham Conlon. So, I mean, I already initially apologize for really having like one, two experiences in Chicago, and I was either emo or vegan at that time. So, and well, you guys weren't even open at, at that juncture. But if there was one restaurant in the country right now that I kind of obsessively uh, yearn to go for and read about and just kind of savor without ever having, you know, had, it, it is fat rice. Because what you've done is created a world all your own. Though inspired from a world all its own, uh, fat rice is this amazing amalgamation of, of so many different cuisines. And we're going to get to that in a second. But first of all, Lowell and Chicago. Yes. <laughs> How did those two very, yeah, distinctly <laughs> different places come together and create Macanese cuisine? Well, um, I don't think we necessarily created Macanese cuisine. I think uh, the combination kind of help us, hel- helped us to find it in a way. Uh, for me, uh, I grew up in Lowell, Massachusetts, in a Portuguese-American family. Um, there, the, there's a a large population of Southeast Asian, almost almost 30%, mainly uh, Cambodian, Laotian, Thai, Vietnamese. So I kind of grew up around those flavors all of my life. Uh, I got introduced as co- uh, to cooking as a young young child and uh, kind of stuck with it, started at 15. Uh, I bought a magazine a subscription to Sever. And in 1999, I read an article uh, about Macau uh, written by Margaret Sheridan, and uh, it was called Original Fusion. And it talked about kind of this fantastical place that uh, there are mixed blood Portuguese and Chinese uh, people cooking uh, food that incorporates influences from all around the world. And um, it 
was rel- relatively in danger. And so I said, that's amazing. Uh, it's something that kind of ties in my heritage with the flavors that I'm interested in. And I'm going to go there someday. And then kind of touched on it here and there, but really kind of forgot about it. And, and, and life kind of took over. And uh, I found myself in Chicago uh, 12 years later. And that's where I met Adrian. At a Whole Foods. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. But I mean, Adrian, your background is Chinese American. Yes. So yes. Uh, some of the cuisine at Macau, which is in China, and we'll, we'll explain exactly where that pocket is. Sure. Um, I mean, you grew up with some of those things in your household. Yes, definitely. I mean, it was growing up in a Chinese American family in Chicago. Um, food was always definitely the center of everything we did. I mean, as a, as a child, I got together with my grandparents and cousins Every weekend, we were always making dumplings. It was always just how we celebrated as a family. So definitely early memories of a kid, as a kid, just, um, again, with my family like that. So, um, and when when I met Abe, and he's, I don't even know how Macau came up one day, but I had never, I had never even heard of it before, but... Um, so it was definitely something brand new to me. I think I was reciting Macanese over and over to myself, so I wouldn't <laughs> pronounce it as mac and cheese. I, <laughs> how, many, how many times have we heard yeah, that lately? But, you know, the, it is. It seems like a Terry Gilliam movie. It seems yeah. like th- this, when you read the book or when you research, you know, that lifestyle, um, it just seems like that place where all the bad guys and the good guys got together and had a great old time. I mean, <laughs> it, because it is a port. Yes, absolutely. And let, yeah. let's explain it. So many people have touched that city, uh, uh, how those kind of traverses started. Absolutely. So, you know, the thing about Macau, and I think the, the interesting thing about uh, what drew us there originally was obviously the cuisine, which is, uh, yes, it was, it was a port town uh, as of... Um, the mid 1500s and uh, really a center of trade for uh, the entire world between uh, Portugal to Brazil to uh, Japan to Indonesia to Malaysia to India and, um, and and obviously to Macau, China. And so it really brought all those influences together uh, and and the peoples. And, um, you know, it's, it's a place that you think um, when you when you see it, you read about it. You're like, how does this place actually exist? And I and I think that was uh, one of the things that re- that really kind of drew me there. It seems like this this seems so out of place in the world, um, but it's real and it exists. And um, you know, you have uh, people there that that look very Asian that that speak Portuguese and um, you know cook uh, salt cod with olive with olive oil, but then also make you know steamed sole with with with. Uh, with with soy sauce and, and olive oil, you know, it's really, really kind of interesting how it all came about. But uh, it's kind of our job now uh, to kind of study and understand where and how this food came from. And, and the book that we have, it, it's basically chronicling the first two and a half to three years of the restaurant's life. And, um, you know, on the, on the last trip, we don't even only talk about Macau. We also talk about other places, Eurasian communities in Singapore and Malaysia that have these kind of uh, similar, quote, fusion foods that are uh, relatively endangered. I mean, people are using these cuisines as a form of heritage preservation along with language and along with like doing uh, performances and, and such to these kind of dwindling communities. But it's important to... I don't know, think about how uh, our foodways have developed over the past 500 years and kind of why they are the way they are. And there's this word, saudade. 
Saudade. Saudade. Yeah. Depends yeah. on what what, yeah. what, what, yeah. what, what uh, Portuguese speaking country you are. Yeah. Well, you you also had a preface in the book that you know many people are going to mispronounce certain things mm-hmm. as as you might as well. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know to kind of eliminate that fear fear and just investigate and invest yourself in exploring this Absolutely. wonderful tradition. But it, that that word means uh, uh, such a fantastic thing about you know the worry of something being fleeting. The worry yes. of something being lost and and never coming back again. I mean, saudade is, is was kind of it's it's a, a, in a lot of Portuguese culture, all in all of Portuguese culture, because of the sheer nature of traveling away from your home, from your family, into the unknown, and essentially um, going forth to establish new families. But you always have that longing or that or that you're missing something so deeply that you know you you might not ever get it again and you know i I definitely had that feeling when i left macau the first time i said like i i need to get back here there's something inside of me that says i need to get back here and i think similarly you know when we uh look for these recipes or, or 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 talk to some of our friends in macau it's like if these recipes are lost then they're then they're lost and they're not going to be there for anybody to enjoy and and so you know for us with the book i mean not everything is spot on traditional authentic you know but we definitely practice traditional methods and talk about you know what how things are and how we adapt so we want to be able to say you know this is our inspiration from Macanese cuisine or Eurasian cuisine from from Malacca, Malaysia, or even Goa and, and many other places, etc. That we are exploring. So it's um it's 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 a big box that we're ha- happy to explore and to share, and and uh, it's been a blast. I, I think I'm very interested in this word "lost." Um, in in two ways, you know, when you sit at Fat Rice and first see that menu, a lot of people are disoriented. Um, and the first time you went to Macau, I was reading this story about how confusing just the street names were. Now, Adrian, how lost were you? I mean, we were turned around in circles for, like, hours. And the thing is, we had such a limited time. Because we were leaving that day. We had yeah. to, like, get back to Hong Kong that day to, like, get on a Which flight is that like, night. Which is, like, what, an hour's ferry yeah, ride? I yeah, mean, yeah. But yeah. We were, and we were trying desperately to find this place, uh, this restaurant. And it was, like, these street names were just well they're in chinese they're in portuguese <laughs> the thing I mean, but the we, street we, would start and then it would end and it would turn and then all of a sudden it was over there it was just the right because, i mean because you know again this is a 500 year old city right i mean like everything is cobblestones everything is every which way they didn't they weren't they weren't planning for cars <laughs> you yeah. know or gps yeah. i mean well this is pre pre gps we had a map right and it was like the restaurant was downstairs so it was yeah. kind of like i mean it was already but it's already hard to see i mean so. let's talk about that restaurant because as, as dizzying as they may, that may have been, uh, you ended up in a very special place with a very special woman. Mm-hmm. Very special place. Very special woman. Um, we were, again, we were running around Macau trying to, trying to get out of the city, essentially, and have one last meal. And we had the Little Lonely Planet book that said, you know, if you want real, authentic Macanese cuisine, uh, go to this little subterranean cafe uh, with takes on things like minchi and feijoada and... Um, uh, Pata de Cabadella. And I was, what what are these things? I know Fishwada, I've been to Brazil, so I understand that. But, you know, these aren't, this isn't the African chicken that I've been hearing about or the pork chop buns or the uh, egg tarts that Macau is known for, you know. And so I was like, well, let's let's find whatever the book says the real thing is. 
And so we we finally get there, and it's really just this uh, cafeteria-style place where everything is in um, steam tables, various stews or chopped meat with potatoes, not many, not many vegetables at all. And, you know, say, hey, we'll take uh, what do you want? We'll, we'll have a little bit of everything. Kind of had these big piles of food on our plate and kind of hunkered down. And I think we got a little Portuguese wine or something. And... Uh, for me, I, I took I took one bite of that food, and I really saw my entire uh, life's cooking and eating experiences, kind of in one from uh, you know my Portuguese upbringing to my time in Brazil to um, you know Southeast Asian flavors I grew up with, um, and, and then our time in Sichuan uh, Province, which was right before that, and like kind of simultaneously. And I was like, this this is kind of what I've been looking for, you know. And up until that point, I was kind of yeah, cooking as a French. Chef, yeah, you know. and similarly, I mean, I spent some time in India, like, what was that, you know, seven years before that, which I loved. So there was, like, some curry and some of the food that was really just, you know, so brought me back to and was so memorable for me and just flavor profiles that I love and are so comforting. So even though, again, it was it was so foreign, it was so comforting, you know, at the same time. But it was the so. combination of known things. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what embodies not only like this book. Like, you don't book, realize yeah. it, yeah. But embodies, you know, a roast gordo, fat right. rice, mm-hmm. uh, with its components being recognizable. But together, you know, at first, you see this dish, and, yes. and you don't know what the fuck it is. No, you don't know, you don't know what's going on. <laughs> but you're on. like, it has but, a little of this, it has a little mm-hmm. of that. This is wild. Why are all these things together? And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And Absolutely. we'll be right back. You've been listening to Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. New York chefs and restaurants are proud of the food they put on the table. And serving produce that comes from local, environmentally responsible farms is a way to leave an even better taste in everyone's mouth. So when shopping for your ingredients, look for the New York State Grown and Certified Seal. It lets you know which food is grown right, right here in New York State. Certifying the food that comes from local farms that meet a higher standard. You'll not only be serving local food, you'll be supporting local farmers. Learn more about the New York State Grown and Certified Program at certified.ny.gov. And welcome back to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here with Adrian Lowe and Abraham Conlon of Fat Rice, a Macanese restaurant in Chicago. And let's talk about what fat rice is this dish a roast gordo i mean i can list off the ingredients uh, uh jumbo prawns uh chili lemon char sweet pork pickled chilies tea egg sweet and sour raisin shredded duck so frito scented jasmine rice um you know portuguese sausage portuguese olives manila clams curry chicken <laughs> yeah, no, a lot, a lot of stuff. Whoa. Chicken stuff fat fried yeah. croutons. Chicken yeah. fat fried croutons. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, Oroz Gordo was, you know, it was kind of the thing that tied the whole restaurant together because, you know, we, we were having a hard time, like, deciding exactly. Because we started building the restaurant before we decided to focus on uh, Macanese cuisine. and, and um, <laughs> Because that must have made your investors and people working oh, yeah, with you so, so excited. Like, we're we're going to cook some food. Yeah. You know. yeah just, just, it's let's cool. just cook. It's yeah. going to be fine. But, no, I think um, when we were really looking for uh, the name, it was... It was the name that really was kind of drove us to to looking f- for what we were actually going to cook, and kept uh, finding these uh, Macanese 
uh, books that uh, from our first trip to Macau that uh, Donna Ida Jesus gave us. And so I'm looking through, I'm looking through, I'm looking, and I keep seeing this name, a Rose Gordo, and in parentheses, fat rice, fat rice. And I'm like, and we love, obviously, rice, and we loved even hot food. It was a symbol of abundance and um, um, kind of over the top. It combined all these things. It was similar to paella. People might, you know, kind of get it. And so, yeah, we just started cooking it and, and trying to make our best version. You know, it's uh, definitely, like, at its basis, like, traditional fat rice uh, or Rose Gordo is, is rice with tomato and, and chicken and uh, croutons, sausage, and hard-boiled eggs. Um, sometimes, depending on the family, they might add a little bit of beef, uh, beef or veal or pig's feet or mm-hmm. sometimes even shrimp. Um, so, you, you know, we kind of took all those influences, kind of packed them all together into this kind of explosive uh, paella pot, yeah. pot kind of almost like... <laughs> it's like paella meets bibimbap meets yeah. well, fried right, rice. And, like, I mean, we knew we wanted to cook in clay pots. I mean, you know, again, before we even had a concept for the restaurant, we're like, we're going to have wood fire, we're going to have clay pots, we're going to have cast, cast iron. iron, you know, woks. Very elemental. You know, it was like, stuff. this is all we wanted to do, you know, and then... So that's, you know, and, you know, spending a little time in Hong Kong. And, I mean, we were in Sichuan and went to Hong Kong. So had, you know, clay pot rice while we were in Hong Kong. So I think that was kind of a little bit of the inspiration. With right, because that's not, definitely not traditional. But right. that was like our... Because it's usually like traditionally on a platter. You don't kind of get that nice, like, sokorat. Which that is you the, get. kind of the best part of paella. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of yeah. like we almost brought those two things together. Right. The best of, best of both worlds. You best know? of, not yeah, just both. both. Best but of like, all like, worlds. Yes. All worlds. <laughs> right. world. Like, this is the yeah. most... Far-reaching and all-encompassing, you know, cuisine I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, it's it's just so fascinating because mm-hmm. you do have these Portuguese travelers that brought so many things, but then exported the ideas as well. So you saw these cuisines happen in other port cities. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and then you you know, so it was like this this trade and export thing that that just kind of. You say you're worried about this this disappearing, you know, this cuisine just going unnoticed. Mm-hmm. It's it's been morphed so many times. Can you even say that it's still the cuisine it used to be, you know, in the 1500s? No, I, I don't think you can, and I think it's it's interesting. I mean, there are some dishes like say that Macau is famous for, um, like your uh, pork chop bun or Portuguese chicken or African chicken. I mean, these are things that honestly have they're less than 100 years old and the cuisine is less is more than 400 years old you know and when we i think on this past trip when we went to malaysia i think one of the interesting things was because we were looking for the roots of macanese cuisine and trying to understand in malacca malaysia how it came about and uh a chef big ben who's who's in who's in the book was an amazing character he says to us do you want old portuguese food real authentic old portuguese food well, not really. We don't want like sardines and and suckling we were scared pigs. Yeah, we had you know, I was like, I want, I, mean, I want, yeah, I want to know. Or... I want the food with like, tons of chilies and and lemongrass. And well, we spices. didn't tell them that. Though. We didn't tell them that. No, we, no, the... we were just like, yeah, cook us food. Obviously, yeah. we didn't want to. You know, we were just like, go ahead. And then the food that just came and then out the was... food that drops is lamb vindaloo. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, it, so in the, he's calling this old Portuguese food, and, and, and we go, "Oh my God!" Well, we came here looking for answers, but now we only have more questions. <laughs> and the reason why I call it old Portuguese food because that's what the Portuguese people had from India, from Goa, from their last port, and even that came from Portugal, Carne de Vinha de Ayush. So it's a method of uh, preservation with vinegar and garlic that has morphed over time. And in, in uh, Macau, there's a similar, uh, in a sweet and sour preserved dish called uh, Puerco Balichang Tamarindu. And that is uh, with pork and tamarind and uh, rock sugar and shrimp paste, which is definitely a relative. You know, th- this is also a book where, you know, often you see, you need this in your kitchen or you need this pantry. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
Sometimes I get intimidated, but this is one of those. You, you have to like revamp your kitchen to cook some of this cuisine. Oh no, I don't think so. I mean, I think that definitely <laughs> with the produce and, and stuff yeah. like that, it's yeah. pretty relatively simple stuff. I mean, definitely there is um, some spices that you know that are becoming more readily available at you know at different grocery stores, higher end grocery stores, and um, you know we provide some sourcing. And yeah, but I think the thing that we encourage and the adventures of fat rice. I mean, this is kind of how we we did it. You know, we went to these kind of one, we went to this foreign place, learned this foreign cuisine, or went to go to this, you know, intimidating Asian grocery store. Put yourself in there. Start snooping around. Start finding stuff, you know, and, and, and take a look. If you don't know what it is, take it off the shelf and grab it and cook it with it. It can't be bad. Somebody eats it somewhere, you know? So... <laughs> You know, like, why not? I, so I think that we want to encourage the adventure, you know? Yeah, that, that is one of the yeah. most wonderful eating mantras I've ever heard. You know, somebody <laughs> eats, it's like the five o'clock somewhere kind of thing. Yeah. It's good for somebody. Yeah, but, you know, let, let's even back up further. You know, X marks. Yeah. Your, your pop-up that you had before Fat sure. Rye was so influenced by Chicago. And Chicago's melting pot, too, is, is kind of fantastic. Absolutely. Do you, do you still find yourself drawing from that and bringing in the fat, fat rice, even though it's supposedly, you know, Macanese cuisine? I think it's, I think it's inevitable that you're going to take your influences from, you know, from training or, or even from your surroundings. I mean, there's, you know, especially with, like, local farms and stuff, we like to support. We love, we love vegetables, but there's not a lot of vegetables in Macanese cuisine, period. So, you know, we, we obviously, th that influence comes, comes through. Um, but yeah, the neighborhoods of Chicago, I mean, I mean, the that's, thing I is think, what was so great about Exmarts. It, it like really pushed us to experiment with a lot of stuff. And like, we started cooking Macanese food or what we were kind of reading about it. So it was just, well, we cook in Indian, Indian food, food right. and Southeast Asian food and pushing ourselves to understand other cuisines by utilizing in utilizing Chicago to shop in those different areas. Okay. We say, we're going to learn about Lebanese food. So let's go to Lebanese part of town and get green almonds and camel cheese and whatever the weirdest, like most deep cut shit that we can find. We're going to, we're going to go and, and get that and try to cook with it, learn about it and hopefully make 40 people a night happy. Uh, so that definitely pushes, uh, to have a lot of uh, different influences when we're going to open a restaurant, and I think the idea of Macanese cuisine almost as a as a as a world global cuisine was a nice box for us to utilize. The thing was is when we first and when people started saying the word Macanese or Eurasian, that's when we said, okay, well, remove the Sichuan dishes, remove the Indian dishes uh, or the straightforward Indian dishes, and let's really just stick to this kind of. Uh, Portuguese Eurasian element uh, that you would find in uh, in from from Goa to Malaysia to Indonesia to even southern Japan and Macau. So it's been an interesting kind of journey to explore and present. And well, I'm sure when you first presented that, you know, when the initial menu, people said fish pickle, mackerel pickle. Yep. Uh -huh. What the heck is that? Yep. But you know, it's a mainstay as as are the majority of dishes you have. What have you been kind of most excited to see that Chicago community embrace? What dishes are not only your best sellers, but have can made ripples within those communities? I think, well, for me, I, I think it's, it's cool. Like we do a version of my, uh, grandmother's uh, bakiao and uh, great-grandmother's bakiao and it's just like a simple salt cod spread you know and i think you know most people's exposure to salt cod is oh it's whip it's a brandad it's whipped with potato and you know and serve with crostinis but i think this is like a different aspect of, of that kind of well i think a dish i mean a dish that we're doing we're doing this pig ear salad that is really right, really yeah. like a traditional macanese thing that again i think people come they just like they're like oh we'll have a pig ear they've it's never had it before it's, it's just it's, it's just like they're like oh i want to try a pig ear you know and i think it's intriguing for people and 
I don't know. It's and it's a it's different texture for yeah. people. It's it's kind of snappy and cold, almost like a. But you people know, just want to get it because they want to try pig ear. And yeah. I, I mean, I I love it because a lot of people are being more adventurous about mm-hmm. it. So it's. It's nice. I've always wondered whether or not people are more adventurous in adventurous restaurants versus <laughs> very plain restaurants. You know, yeah. you know, there's a menu that, that someone's used to, and then they see something out of the norm. They're sure. like, I don't know about that special. Mm-hmm. But when they come into a place like yours, where a lot of things do seem foreign initially, but mm-hmm. then seem so comforting and, and right, um, do you see more of a willingness for people to kind of go outside of those comfort zones? I do think so. I think, I mean, we get a great crowd of people i mean from people in the neighborhood to you know from out of downtown out of towners but from across the world across the country i mean we get people from all over but, and it's but i think when, when you when you're when you're confident in what you're doing and you know it there's a story behind behind the food and there's a reason behind it i mean i think people are going to be willing and accepting of that and i think our our job is just to continue doing the best we can no matter what we do and and well i think just like you know our genuine you know excitement about the cuisine and wanting to share with people i think it really shows and people are really excited to and we don't really give people a comfort zone like that's that's my goal i'm like don't make anything sound too good oh oh steak i was gonna say abraham abraham is sitting right next to me like like too close comfort zone (laughs) what do you mean um another thing that i really want to touch upon is yeah cookbooks have all these amazing recipes and people you know say oh the photos are fantastic but it's it's, it's, an excellent job it's these storylines too that happen in in this kind of cartoonish form Mm -hmm. um attack of the chili clam yeah (laughs) um what is that is that reference to macau as a city do you see billboards and posters like that do you see art like that or not what what is this i mean i mean i think i think well you um, do see there's there's good graffiti there's a decent graffiti mural Mm -hmm. scene out there um but really that kind of came from one I, i grew up kind of reading comic books and just had this this kind of affinity towards that aesthetic and when we were building the restaurant, we didn't. It was kind of in a you know quote unquote up and coming part of town. It did, we didn't really have a sign. Uh, I was like, let's just have something really. It was gray on the outside, really bold and poppy that we could put in the windows. I was like, let's do these posters. Let's do um, things that almost look like comic book covers that have kind of this pop culture reference. And I think even originally we were looking at um, the Blue Lotus by, yeah, by like Tintin. The Adventures of Tintin. The Adventures yeah. of Tintin, and that's kind of where the Adventures of Fire Rise. So kind of tying that connection into something totally obscure to pop culture helping bring people kind of in uh to our world in 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 a in a, in a smooth kind of way you know without being too historical or eggheady about it you know we just wanted to make it fun and and the illustrations by sarah beacon who uh we met uh, serendipitously i mean she came into the restaurant drew a picture of one of our dishes and then put it online on her blog and then tagged us on Twitter. I said, I've been looking for you. And we've been together ever since for the past four years. I mean, that was two weeks into the restaurant opening. Pretty much, yeah. And Because um, that was also part of the whole thing. I found this uh, logo that looked like a cartoon logo. And I'm like, this is the logo. And, and you know, right. I don't because know. I'm like, we, this is it. I'm telling you. Before we <laughs> opened, we had Charlie Chan posted on the... Yeah, a little picture of Charlie yeah. Chan posted on the, yeah. the door. That well, was it. It just makes me think of, you know, what cartoons are to people. You know, they're, they're sometimes an escape, but they are this fantasy where you can do things in that world that you can't do in real life. Yeah. And that's what Macau, in my mind, feels like. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it's a place where, you know, it's it's the wild west of the East. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can do anything you want. And... and Fat Wright did, did that for Chicago, and you guys are doing that for this book. But at a point, 
you also learn and you become invested in that cartoon mm -hmm. and you care about the character and the person and the development of that character. So I don't know. I, 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 I did have that flashback to my youth, you know, looking at cartoons, but I also really understood the arc of the character that Fat Rice has mm -hmm. and, and that the story is there, the structure is there. And it's one of those things... I'm not going to be able to pronounce that word again. Saudade? Saudage or saudage. I never want this cartoon to end. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. No, it's and and hopefully, you know, you never know. I think that's was kind of the goal. I think Fat Rice moving forward, the restaurant is kind of a, a ship in a way to explore um, the kind of rest of the Portuguese uh, speaking culinary world and but from the Macau is the starting point and you never know I think through through travels and I think through uh, more knowledge and more presentation that hopefully we'll be able to do more and, and continue continue that continue that comic and continue continue to uh, develop and grow absolutely well my yeah. first stop is Chicago I will see you guys soon All right. thank absolutely. you so much know. for being here and thank you. definitely stop by Fat Rice and get that book and, and if, if you can travel to Macau as well you've been listening to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org I'm your host Michael Harlan Dirk Hell hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3 a big thanks to New York State Grown and Certified Music by Cookies and David Engineering cheers Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.